Amen. Well, we are in uh, the book of Hebrews. We are in Hebrews uh, chapter 12. And I just wanted to begin by proposing a question to all of you. And that question is, when was the last time you thought about heaven? When was the last time you had heaven on your mind? Was it within the last week? Could have been within the last month? What about within the last six months? Or what about within the last year? Or maybe there's some of you that haven't even thought about heaven. And you know one thing that the Lord wants to do today is He wants to speak to us about that heavenly place. He wants to speak to us about that glorious place. And why? Why is it that the Lord would want to speak to us today about it? See, because that is where He is. And that is where He wants us to be. And one thing that we know about our God, one thing we know about the Lord, is that He paid a deadly price for us, didn't He? He paid it for us. And as He paid that price for us, He wants us to be with Him. One of the things that for us as, as people, if we are heavenly minded, then it will move us in a manner to please the heavenly king. See, it's important that we have heaven on our thoughts. It's important that we be thinking about this glorious place that you and I are going to be going to. And I pray that us, that all of us that are in here will be there. And with that, I want to begin in verse 18 in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches a mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. What is a writer of Hebrews talking about here? You know, when we read this, you know, you think to yourself, what is he referencing to? What is he talking about? He's talking about the time. When God himself, when the Lord himself, when he came into their presence, when he was on Mount Sinai, when he came to speak to his people, this is a time when the, Lord, when the Ten Commandments were given to his people. And this is what took place here. This was once, a, once a, uh, the, the, the Israelites, when they were led out of Egypt by the glorious hand of God, this is that time when he spoke to them. And I want us to read about it so that we have a good understanding and a sense of what the writer is talking about. Let's go to Exodus chapter 19. In Exodus chapter 19, it tells us about this time. It tells us about the time when, when the Lord came down and and he spoke to his people. And let's begin to read in verse 7. It says there, So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, 
all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So they, they agreed with this covenant. They responded in saying, yes, we will, Lord. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. And then the Lord said to Moses, Go back to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them know and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day will come to For on the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches a mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, They shall come near the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people. And they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of a trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. Remember that. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered, Him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near the mount near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. But Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. For you warned us, saying, set bounds around the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, away, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron, with you. But do not let the priest and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. And if I read in verse 1 of chapter 20, it says, And God spoke all these words, saying, And then he gives forth the Ten Commandments. I want us to jump now to verse 18. After the Ten Commandments were given, were spoken by the, by the Lord. Imagine, they heard the voice of God. It was actually God's voice that they heard speaking forth these Ten Commandments. And then verse 18 says, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness. 
where God was. Imagine how glorious this sight must have been. To think that, you know what, there was fire and lightning and there was smoke and thundering and the sound of the trumpet. But most importantly, the presence of God was there. This is how amazing this place was. It was spectacular. It was just amazing. And we know that they were hearing the voice of God. This time was so amazing. This time was just beyond what the people could could comprehend. That the people began to fear. Imagine that they began to fear. And they begged Moses to please tell the Lord to stop speaking to us. Can you believe that? They said, Moses, you speak to us. The Lord, don't let him speak to us because we're going to die. Imagine. Imagine that. We know that every single one of these people that said this, we know that not one of them went into the promised land except for Caleb and Joshua and their families. The rest of them died. They had a fear. And you know what? God had pronounced this, this time to be so sacred. He said that, you know what? If anything touches, anyone or anything touches the base of the mountain, guess what's going to happen to them? They're going to die. And so we know that, you know what, that as, as Moses was reminded of this, you know, as, as these things were taking place, that the Lord gave the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments, we know that they are the righteous law. We know that they speak forth the mind of Christ the mind of God. For us, none of us were there, right? But we read about it. We're told about it. And we weren't born at this time. You and I have not been born at that time. We, were, we are now born during the church age. And you know what? This time is an amazing time. I want each and every one of you to understand that you are born in an amazing time. And the time that I'm talking about is today. God has chosen you to be born at this time. We know that in the world around us, there is great uncertainty, isn't there? There is great fear. And there is persecution that is coming against the Christians. This is an amazing time that God says, you know what? I have brought you into this time period for my glory and for my honor. During the time of persecution, we know that it separates the people that are on the fence, doesn't it? Those that are weak in the Lord, those that have, you know what, a weak faith, a weak trust, that aren't fully surrendered, they're going to fall back. During this time, people walk away from the Lord. But we know that during the time of persecution, it is also a great time of multiplication. What happened when the church began? When the church began to be persecuted, it drove the apostles, the disciples of God to go out and to share the gospel, didn't it? This is what this time means to us. This is a time that we need to go out and to share the truth of God with others. Understand that time is coming to an end. Understand that the church is going to be taken out soon. Understand that the tribulation period is before us. It's coming. But we know for us, you know what? There are three types of people, right? 
When we think about those that are chosen for God, there are the Jews, right? God's chosen people. We know that they have been chosen by God. There's also another chosen people, which is the church, right? We are God's chosen people also. And there is also a future people that are chosen by God to give forth His word, to glorify Him. And those are the tribulation saints who will endure the tribulation, who will endure the wrath of God that comes upon this earth, who will be martyred for their faith. And some will survive the tribulation. But we know that we all have one thing in common. And the thing that we have in common is our faith in Jesus Christ. That is what we have in common. And we know that with our faith in Jesus Christ, that means that we will be in the presence of God forever. And we're talking about God's presence today. This is what the message is today, to understand the presence of God. In order to be in His presence, what does it say in John 14, 6? That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but through Him. Understand that. And this is a message that we got to give forth to our friends, to our loved ones, to our family members, to our co-workers, to those that God brings before us. We know that the Hebrews, those Jews that this letter was written to, we know that they received this letter and they read this letter and we're reading it today because the message is for us. God's word is alive. It's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And when it goes out, it's meant to speak to us now. As we look at this, we weren't in Mount Sinai, but we are given a greater mountain. And you know what mountain we have been given? We have been given Mount Zion. And let's read about it in verse 22. It says, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Mount Zion, what he references is not a mountain in Jerusalem. What he's referencing here is a city of the living God, the heavenly city. See, God was present with him in Mount Sinai. But we know that the people, they feared him. And the writer is reminding us, of Mount Zion, the heavenly place where you and I are going to be. And when we think about this, it is God's desire that, yes, that we would walk in godly fear of Him. Because, see, what happens today in our world today, there is a lack of the fear of God. This is what is moving people to sin and to behave, to have the moral depravity that is out there today because they have no fear of God. And God wants us to, He wants to remind us that we must also have a fear of God, but a godly fear to move us to serve Him in a manner that is pleasing to Him. What I love about this section here, it gives us a glimpse of heaven above. 
I want you to know that what we have been given here in, this, in these verses that I have read to you gives you a glimpse of heaven above. Who are in heaven today? We know as we read here, right? There's an innumerable amount or number of angels. We don't know exactly how many angels God created. But one thing that we do know is that there are two-thirds of the angels that He created still in heaven above. You may be questioning, well, how come you say two-thirds? Because one-third joined Satan in his rebellion against God. And you could read about that in Revelation 12, verse 3. But for us, you know what? We're going to be in the presence of these angels. And I want us to turn to Revelation in chapter 5. And let's read about this. In chapter 5, verse 8. You know, as Nancy sang that song, there is a place, you know, where the angels are. This is what we're talking about today. In verse 8 of Revelation chapter, chapter 5, it says there, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden boughs full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom, and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature is, which is in heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such are in the sea, and all that are in them I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. This is what we're going to see in heaven above. This is what we're going to be doing in heaven above. Worshipping God. Reigning with God. It is an amazing time. These living creatures. These Angels, the church that is going to be there. You know, and as we keep reading there, it said there that in, uh, in 23 it says, And to the general assembly and church of the, I'm sorry, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. General assembly meant gathering. There was a, there's a gathering in heaven. And the church of the firstborn, who is the firstborn that they're referencing? This is the Lord. We are the church of the firstborn. You know, when Paul writes to the church in Philippi, one of the things that Paul says is he calls us what? He says that our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. See, Paul, I mean, the Lord has given us 
several names to describe us. You know, he describes us as citizens, right? As citizens of heaven. He also says that we are ambassadors here on earth just to give forth a message. He also says that we are pilgrims. Pilgrims don't have a home here on earth. Our home is in heaven. See, what we have here today is a reminder of the fact that you and I can't call heaven our home. I mean, can't call earth our home. Earth is not our home. Don't be so uh, so earthly minded. You know, when we think about heaven, we must have a proper perspective. And he goes on to say, he says, you know what? Who are registered in heaven. Let me share this with you. He's talking about the church right here. Whenever you register to attend something like, for example, or whenever you register to go to a location, a hotel, you know what? You make reservations, right? And they write your name down, don't they? And when they write your name down, what are they doing with that name? They're waiting for its arrival. This is what the Lord is talking about here. The church, the church that's going to be raptured. God is, is, is awaiting our arrival in heaven above. And we know who else is going to be present there. He says to God, the judge of all. God will be there. The only way we have fellowship with God, the only way that we can be in his presence is because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. When we place our faith in him, this restored fellowship between God and man for us that have said yes to him. We know that he is there. And then he says something here. And you sort of think about this. Who can this be? He says, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Who can those people be? I've mentioned the church, right? What about all those that have placed their faith in God before the church came into existence? After the ascension of Jesus That is who they're referencing there. These are all the Old Testament saints that are there in heaven also. And we will be in their company. And he goes on to say to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. You think to yourself, Jesus, of course, is there. He is a mediator and his presence is there. You know, when we think about about these things, as we're thinking about heaven being heavenly minded, the Lord wants to remind us to be thinking about heaven now. Why do we say this? Because we're going to be there soon. The rapture is coming. Don't be fooled. And it is coming soon. When we look at the world around us, what is happening in the world around us? Take a look at the Middle East. What is happening there? You look and you see these nations that want to bring death to God's people. Every nation around Israel that was a democracy That government has been taken down. 
And guess what governments are taking over? The Muslim Brotherhood. And what does the Muslim Brotherhood breathe? Death to the Jews, death to the Christians, death to anyone that doesn't worship Allah. That is what's going on. And their plan and their ploy today is to come against Israel and to take them out. You look at our world around us, outside of the Middle East. What is happening with the nations around this world? They are in the brink of collapse, aren't they? Everyone has an economic problem. And the moral depravity around the world is increasing. And what a sad sight to see that it is happening here in the United States of America. The moral depravity that is going on today. Sin that is running rampant. And you look how they're calling good, evil, and evil good. You look to same-sex marriage today. Contrary to the word of God. The will of the people of California have said, you know what? We want marriage between a man and a woman. And they overthrew the will of the people. And it's not only in this, in this state, but it's happening in other states. There's bills that they're passing to allow these type of relationships to take forth and to say they are good, they are fine. You look at our world around us. You know, as the Lord says, you know, at like the times of Sodom and Gomorrah, look up because the Lord is coming soon. These are the times that we live in. And what are we doing? You know, the stage is being set. Are you doing what God has called us to do? If we're heavenly minded, the only things that we can take or the only person or, or, or I mean, the only thing that we can take with us is what is not, it's, it's, only, it's not only ourselves, but we can take others with us, right? You can't take anything else of this world. But when you share the gospel... When we, add, when we share the truth of God, you know, we can take them with us. You know, these people, whoever they may be, only God knows. But let us not be pre-selective, right? To say, oh, God is calling this one, so I'll talk to this one and not that one. We don't know who's registered in heaven. Only God knows who's registered in heaven. And we know that as His Word tells us that names are written in heaven. We know that in Revelation 20.15 it says, It says not everyone that is written in the book of life. Not everyone is written in the book of life. And those that aren't in the book of life, what do they inherit? The lake of fire. Separation from God. He mentioned something here, and I want to explain this to you because this is very important to the message that God has for us. He says, And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. 
Think what happened to Abel. Do you remember what happened to Abel? When he was murdered by his brother Cain? Do you remember what God's word says in Genesis 4.10? It says that his blood cried out for justice. That is what it said. It says that Abel's blood cried out for justice. When we think about the blood of Christ. What does the blood of Christ call out for? It cries out from heaven above. Mercy and grace. Quite the opposite of the blood of Abel. Do you know what the blood of Abel drove Cain to do? Do you remember what happened to Cain? It drove Cain to feel condemned and to feel guilty. Do you know what the blood of Christ brings us? It brings you freedom and forgiveness. Quite the opposite of what the blood of Abel brought. This is what he's talking about. This is what he's referencing here. See, when it comes to us, heaven is awaiting us. And this is the blood that God, the the blood of Christ that is speaking to us. In verse 25, let's keep reading. It says, so that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him, who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. See, one thing that we know is that these Jews that were there at Mount Sinai, they refused to hear the Old Testament covenant. They refused to hear the law of God. They refused to hear the words of the Lord himself. And today, do you think that any of us can escape the voice of God? One thing that we know is that creation in itself speaks of God. We know that when you look at creation, it speaks to you that there is a creator. When we look at one another, we are a magnificent creation of God. The way our internal organs, our our body parts, the way they function, we cannot evolve. This has been created by a master planner, and his name is God. What else speaks to us? We have the word of God that speaks to us, right? The word of God cries out to us. It calls us. It's drawing us to him. No one comes to the father unless you are drawn by him. We know that his spirit is also working today, right? It's convicting us and convicting, I should say, it's convicting the non-believer. And I pray that there are not any here. But it convicts the non-believer of their sin and their need for Jesus. That's what he does. That's the voice of God. And we know that God desires to use people like you and me as his instruments. Isn't it amazing that God has chosen us to speak for him? That's amazing. But we know all of these things are used so that we can hear the voice of God. But as we see, 
And as we've been talking about. See, everyone that is born on this earth, one day they will face Jesus. Understand that. Everyone that is born here on this earth will face Jesus. And either they will be clothed with the righteousness of Christ and allowed to be entered into the kingdom of God, or they will not. And they will be separated from God forever and ever, and this place is called hell. These places are real. These places are true. I want to give you some insight. You know, as we know this from the book of Philippians, it says that God has highly exalted him, Jesus Christ, and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every person will confess. Every person will drop to their knees. Isn't it best that we do it today versus when it's too late? This is what we got to share with others Do you want to know how glorious the presence of God is? God's presence is so glorious that when people saw him, when people gave, when God gave the opportune, the privilege of seeing him, you know what they did? People dropped to their feet. People fell on their face. People humbled themselves. People felt condemned. And I'm going to give you such so that you can understand how glorious His presence is. And it's better to do it now than later. Paul, when he was traveling from Damascus, the Lord shone His glory upon Paul. And you know what Paul did? He fell to the ground. That's in Acts chapter 9 verse 4. Do you know Ezekiel? When he saw the vision of God in Ezekiel 1.28, you know what he did? He fell to his face. Did you know when John was given the revelation of Jesus Christ, what we have written today, when he told him, write these things down. When he saw the vision of the Lord, you know what he did? He fell at his feet. Isaiah, when he saw the sight of the Lord's throne room, Do you know what he did? He saw his unworthiness and he confessed. And Job, when Job was spoken to by the Lord, he hated himself. He says, who am I? I abhorred myself because you are perfect. You are holy. You are righteous. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And there is none like you. Every single man that saw this, they did the same thing. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Know that. And people that reject the Lord today, they have no idea what they are doing. But what are they doing? They're so enraptured in their sin. They're so enraptured in pleasing their flesh. They're so enraptured in doing what they want to do that they've lost sight of eternity. They've lost sight of God. 
because they've been blinded by the devil himself. They've been tempted and they've fallen into temptation. Their flesh is speaking, satisfy me, and that's what they do. And the world is throwing things at them. That's what it happens to us today. These are the enemies that we have to keep us from the kingdom of God. To keep us from entering into this heavenly place, Mount Zion. And let's keep reading. Back in Hebrews. In chapter 12. As we left off there in verse 25. Verse 26 says, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates a removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Let me share this with you. If something shakes, it is not stable, is it? Anything that shakes can be destroyed. It can be taken down. The earth shakes. Foundations shake. The world around us shakes. We have earthquakes going on. You have tsunamis. You have all these things that shake. That means that these things aren't stable. These things aren't grounded. These things will not last forever. He reminded us that Mount Zion shook. Remember when the Lord spoke? The mountain shook. But there is a place that won't shake. See, there is this place called Mount Zion. What we've been talking about. Which is a heavenly city. See, the earth as you see it today, the Lord, as I mentioned earlier, doesn't want us to get too attached to it. The Lord is exhorting you. Don't go after the things of the world. Don't love these things. Why is that? Because everything that you see today, it's going to be destroyed. It's going to go away. None of it is going to last. Did you know that during the tribulation period, the wrath of God, the judgments of God are coming upon the earth. And you can read about these from chapter 6 through 19. But I want to confirm to you that this world will go away. And I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. This is the day of the Lord. It says there, but the day of the Lord in verse 10 will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, We, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. The earth, as you see it today, there will be an atomic reaction. And this is caused by God. It is not caused by a nuclear weapon. This is caused by God. And God will disintegrate the earth as we see it today. And this happens after the millennial kingdom. 
after the thousand year reign of Christ. Know that. It doesn't happen before. It happens after. And after that, the Lord ushers in the new heavens and the new earth. And let's turn to Revelation once again in chapter 21. I want you to see what's happening. I want you to understand the timetable. As it is all coming near, the Lord will be soon taking His church. The day, of, the day is coming. And verse 1 of Revelation 21 says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. This is what we have to look forward to. It is a glorious time. If you keep reading, and we don't have time for that, but you're going to see in this heavenly city that their streets are going to be of gold, that the walls are going to be like precious stones, that there's not going to be any darkness. There's no shadows in heaven because the glory of God illuminates this place. There's going to be the river and the tree of life that are in heaven. And we will be there through eternity with the Lord. And not only this, I want you to know one thing. And you can look this up later. In Romans 8, 17, it tells us that we as His people, we're going to be joint heirs of all that Christ has. It belongs to Him. And in Revelation 22, 5, and you could turn there. It says, there shall be no more night. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the for the Lord God gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. He's talking about us. You and I are going to be reigning with God forever and ever. There are people, there are animals that live through the tribulation. And guess who reigns with God? We do. It's an amazing time. This is what you got to look forward to. Reigning with God forever and ever and being in His presence. If we are heavenly minded, we will want to live righteous and holy lives. Which one of you want to be taken in sin? Or will you be taken in sin? Imagine if God comes for His church now and we were caught in sin. How shameful would that be? God wants us to live righteous and holy lives. And let's finish up in Hebrews 12. In verse 28 it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. You are receiving a kingdom. Imagine that. Do you deserve a kingdom? Do any of us deserve a kingdom? Do you deserve to live forever and ever with God Almighty? Reigning with Him? But He gives it to us. Why? Because of His grace. Isn't that amazing? His grace is amazing. 
We are sinners. We are sinners. And yet he forgives us, restores fellowship with God, and he gives us his kingdom to live forever. See, if we understand the grace of God, it moves you to start sinning less, a lot less. You won't be perfect, but you'll be sinning a lot less. And as the word says, it will move you to live for him, serving him with reverence and with fear. This is the word that God has for us. As we are still pilgrims here, as we are ambassadors here, he wants us to serve him with fear. And with reverence. You know, for us, understand this the heavenly kingdom compares no way to the riches of this world. The heavenly kingdom gives us so much more. And if you don't want it, if you don't want to surrender to Him, God's consuming fire can burn us up, can it? But instead, his consuming fire wants to catch flame in you to have a passion for his name. To be sold out for Jesus. To be a Jesus freak out there talking about Jesus and the things that he has and the things that he has done and the things that he's going to give us. It is God's desire that we would be on fire for him. Let none of us hold back. But let us share the words of eternal life. And no one thing. Many of us say, well, we're falling short. Rest in this, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. See, God's grace, it's amazing. And it's filled with so many blessings. It's there for the taking. And that's why he says it is a gift if you want to receive it. And with that, we will close. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us about heaven, Lord. And all the things that you're going to be doing, Lord. And all the things that we're going to be receiving. Thank you for giving us a mental picture, Lord, of what's there. Lord, I pray that we would be heavenly minded. That we would have our eyes on you. Because if we are heavenly minded, it will move us to please our heavenly king. If there's any here that would like to receive the grace of God, the gift that he gives to you, it is through faith. By placing your faith in the King of kings and Lord of lords. If there's anyone here that wants to do that, I ask that you raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anyone that wants to do this, surrender your life to the Lord. Receive his forgiveness. Receive his grace. Anyone. Anyone. If there's anyone here that may be walking astray. That may be on the right, wrong path. I ask. Or the Lord is asking if you want to recommit your life to him. If this is you wanting to recommit your life to him. Raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anyone wanting to do this. Anyone before we close. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else before we close? Anyone else? 
before we close. Lord, you saw these hands that went up, Lord. They're here to recommit their lives to you, Lord. We know that they've been washed, their body has been washed, and their feet need cleansing. So we pray that you cleanse their feet, Lord. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would empower them by your spirit, Lord. That they would live lives that are pleasing, Lord, with reverence and with fear. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your great word. We thank you, Lord, for your love, your grace, your forgiveness. We thank you for eternity, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. If there's anyone here.